When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, Holly. Hello, Dave. What's going on? I'm feeling very caffeined and sugared up again. That's good. <laughs> we got Primo's today. Yes, we have Primo's Donuts. We move. Another of our favorites. Yes, we, we're, we're doing the world tour of donuts. Yeah, so, hey, welcome to What Difference Does It Make? Yeah, it's very uh, exciting. We were just actually talking about how amazing our intro music is, and that is by Joel Graves, New Monkey Studios, formerly of Everest and Early Mart. Thank you, Joel. Yeah. We love our music. It's always amazing to hear it. And uh, it's one of my favorite things about about our podcast is the music. And we got to get them into the studio. Yes, we do. All right. But right now we have someone even better. Not even better. We have someone pretty amazing. Yeah. Somebody who complimented the music, which is how we started discussing it. True. This is Craig Rosen. Yeah, there's there's no way I'm better than, than, <laughs> I, than that guy that made that music. I know. I don't <laughs> yeah. even know why I said that. You have a different area of expertise. Yeah, no. no you know what? When they're in this when we I, get them in the room, I always compliment them as the best this is the perfect this is the greatest guest we've ever had. So Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you're out with that. You're up front right. about yeah, it. Yeah, so. so yes, we do All have right, Craig you're, Rosen, you're, the greatest you're. guest who's ever been on our podcast this yeah. week. And uh, we're very happy to have him. I looked on his website. Craig Rosen is an editor, writer, author, wait, wait, music geek, gother. Go- wait, do we have golf- Craig? Wait, wait, wait. What? What website? Where, I looked on. We? I looked on. I looked on your uh, clippings. Oh, okay. So okay. you and this is yeah. what you wrote. You are a writer, so yeah. So you yeah, put this I down. Did. Yeah. Editor, writer, author, I music think. geek, golfer, swimmer, spinning instructor, yoga, I, yogi. Lifelong Dodger fan, skater, lifeguard, husband, father, no particular order, in parentheses. Yeah. Boy, Which, that sounds really geeky. A lot of stuff. That, that sounds really geeky read out loud. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Actually, there's, yeah. a, there's so much to latch on to But it's to all here. true. Yeah. Right? There's yeah, nothing about I'm, what I, I just yeah, said that's yeah, uh, falsehood. It, it's, it's all true. I'm, I'm busy. I try to stay busy. Yeah. Good. <laughs> we all do. In fact, so- in fact, I think I have this. Wait, remember? And I'm off mic. There you go. That's right. I leaned over to get my wallet out, but I have this fortune in my wallet near my driver's license, and it says something, and I'm off mic again. I'm I'm terrible. (laughs) I'm fired. I thought I was the best guest this week, and it turns out that I'm not. He he is a writer. (laughs) Exactly. You are busy, but you are happy. Is that true? Yeah. Well, we know you're busy. It's a fortune. It's got to be true. Yeah, I think I'm fairly happy. Yeah. 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 I think I hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, so, we'll, we'll we'll go into what yeah. brought uh, Craig happiness r- r- to this right point. Now, yeah. Right now, I'm I'm happy. I had half of a chocolate donut. So <laughs> you can drink coffee. Only ten more waiting yeah. for you right here. <laughs> then I won't be so happy. Yeah, <laughs> but, the crash will happen after yeah. the podcast. I know exactly. we're here to talk about music, but since you made that introduction, there are so many other things that I want to ask you about, like the yogi and the spin instructor oh. stuff. And especially how you make that transition. And I know we can get to it, but I'm afraid we, we run out of time right. because we talk so much. But you we're not going to forget those. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, well, the, the, the spin instructor thing does involve music, but... Uh, your own, you the, get to choose your playlist? Yeah, little little sidetrack since we were talking donuts. I have to say that I did work at a donut shop at, at Foster's Donuts in Arlita. Shout out to Foster's. In, in, in uh, I think it was a- 81, yeah. Did you make the donut? Did you wake up at 4 a.m. to make it? No, no. I work like in the afternoon. You know, I I put some of the like frosting on some of them. It was after I, let's see, I'm trying to remember the order. Okay. I got a job at Fedco, which was pretty (gasps) awful. Yes. But then I I quit Fedco because I was hired at the new Gemco. In in Northridge, in the, in the grocery department, a highly sought after job because you could join the union. Oh, but the nice. new Gemco in Northridge wasn't as successful as they thought it would be, and they mm-hmm. hired too many people. 
and the bastards laid me off before I could join the union. <sighs> so then I had a re- my rebound job was Foster's Donuts. It was it was rough. It was brutal. <laughs> hey, you were making three thirty five an was, hour. I was pissed off. I was a pissed off uh, sort of punk rocker. I mean, it never really did like the. I cut my hair, but didn't never dyed it or never had a mohawk or anything like that. But you know, did you cut it for a job? No, I cut it because I didn't want to be a hippie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, is that when you bought your bot- yeah. buzzcock shirt? Yeah, yeah, about that about that time. <laughs> did you consider yourself you were a skater right yeah yeah definitely that's so a, skater that's, punk is that yeah the- well i don't know if we use that term you yeah. know together but yeah definitely i got into punk rock through skateboarding yeah def- definitely i mean it was like we used to go to uh this place in Reseda. skater cross yes skater cross broke my leg there uh but uh yeah i mean it seemed like like one day we were listening to carry on my wayward son and like the next day it was like devo and stuff like that it wasn't quite that dramatic probably but you know and then, <laughs> then th- yeah then then you know of course you know then came the clash and the sex pistols and black flag and x and buzzcocks and Circle jerks, all that stuff. <laughs> so I yeah. think we should probably now, since since we're t- talking music, talk about how Craig your your jump from Foster's Freeze into your into your your uh, education and I career. Have to, I have to. Say, it's Foster's Donuts. Foster's, Foster's Donuts yes. is a completely, the ice cream. is yes. a completely different thing. But thank I, you, I thank you for to, correcting. I <laughs> used to. There's. I can go on millions of tangents, and thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to frequent a, a Foster's Freeze on Reseda Boulevard near the Record Trader. Yep. In, uh, you know, record that, store. And near the Country yeah. Club. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Country Club. Oh, I have Country Club stories. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we've touched for, on the Country Club a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. that was where you 2 played their first show, and Oingo Boingo played yeah. many times, and you yeah. saw that probably was, your first show. Well, was, not my first show, but that was the first time that I saw R.E.M., at the Country Club opening for was the it? English Beat. There you go. Oh. I did know Save that. Save it for later. Yeah. yeah, which which brings us to that. I had no idea about that. Is uh, that wait? Uh, was that something like later? If yeah. you didn't know, no, there's that, no possible way we could have known. Wait, was that is that for real or is that like a thing after the fact, like, like some pornographic weird owl thing? No, I, I, <laughs> so, we both saw it on the internet, so it must be true, right? Oh, that that Dave Dave has talked about that. Yeah, I and read he it did in it. an interview, but then again, could the interview have been? I, I I don't know, but it, but I read it. they were quotes from him that I was that yeah. I thought were quotes for him from it, him. It does have the you know the just hold my hand while I come you yeah. know bit <laughs> to a decision on this you know yeah yeah did you not did you not know we, that I didn't want to dig further because Holly, <laughs> Wait, Holly you, you embarrasses shocked, easily you yeah. look shocked about that <laughs> that that I was completely on board with and <laughs> and, and picked up on <laughs> but not. see that's, you you didn't out know it that? again yeah. out it again yeah? no okay nope I did not uh, yeah. Now, can you ever listen to the song the same way again? No, it's can a great. I? It's a great song. I like the, I like those uh, those sort of things. Those. Yeah. Did you yeah. Go, now? Did you go to that show for the English beat or for REM? That's a good question. Uh, probably for the English beat, but I might have been aware of REM. I'm not sure. Actually, I posted this recently. I'm not sure which came first. I discovered REM like. There were three things, and they might have all happened around the same time. Uh, one was uh, Wolf's Lower was a flexi disc that came with Trouser Press magazine, which I subscribed to at the time. And then uh, I was, I think I was probably contributing to the Sundial by then, but I. That's the CSUN. Yeah. Cal yeah. State Northridge is a uh, newspaper, newspaper. Daily yeah. newspaper. Yeah. yeah. And I, I figured I wasn't. Uh, I don't think I was on a on staff yet, but I think I figured out that records were going there, mm-hmm. and I could go there and get them and take them. So I got, uh, I took Chronic Town. So right around Good choice, yeah, right around that time, all three things sort of happened, and yeah, then I became a huge fan, yeah, <laughs> of, our, of REM, yeah, yeah. You guys have that that REM, Hello, you know, Craig. I mean, Craig literally wrote the book on REM. Yes. <laughs> I mean, literally. He did well, write a book on REM. One, yeah. one book, and it's, yeah, actually, 
I'm not bragging. I'm just staying, saying a fact. And you it's not, brag. no, well, I don't know. The book, I could, it could have been better. I mean, it was kind of rushed and I wish I could write it again, but you know, that, can that you happens. do an update? But it, but, Everyone updates their, well, uh, actually there, there's been one update and I was going to say that, uh, a guy that, uh, what's his name? All, Ole something. He's in Norway mm-hmm. and he's, an incredible REM, Peter Buck junkie, this guy. And he posted this photo of all of his REM books, uh, and he had both copies of mine in there. And I said, oh, I'm honored that you have both of mine in that picture because I know you're a real fan. And yeah, and he, so this and book- he, he yeah, he, he wanted, wants me to do a new one too. And I would, it's just the publishers in, in uh, London, in England and, my original contact isn't there anymore. I did propose doing a, a final update, but they didn't. I didn't really hear back. But who knows? Yeah, you, you could do post REM stuff too now. You know that yeah. would be fun. Yeah, he, yeah. He Buck I mean, is yeah. Uh, pretty prolific. Oh, I know that would it would go on forever. <laughs> yeah, you just need some people pushing you. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I want to do. I would do it, but it's just you know a question of like rights and everything. You know, I mean they they own the rights and they probably have deals for the photos and everything. So I don't know how how to go about doing that. I mean, the Billboard book they gave me the rights back, so that's why I do that thing on the the website. Oh, know, that's just, great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so the book is REM Inside Out: The Stories Behind Every Song. You can get this for thirty nine dollars and forty cents on Amazon. Yeah, the the price varies. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's some sometimes you see it for over like a hundred dollars. And yeah, there's different editions and you know different weird things about it because it came out in different territories under different publishers. This uh, I always go to the uh, you know you get your, you got a lot of five star reviews. I always go to the one star review. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. Really? Thanks. That that, really? that that one moron that said it would have yeah, been oh, better. See, he still knows. It he would have been. I, I yeah. It drives me crazy. That said, it would have been better if you would have included the lyrics. Okay. And then it's not. The, it's not. It doesn't say. It's not a lyric book. That's something could, different. You know. That's they do sell lyric books. You can buy that. Exactly. But that's not what it is. <laughs> Maybe that was an ex girlfriend from high school or college or something that wrote that. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I do I remember know. though, because I mean, we didn't know any of the lyrics to REM songs in <laughs> one of my sister's magazines, her teen magazines, like Teen Beat or something. They had lyrics, and one of them had the lyrics for South Central Rain, which was just blew my mind. Cause like, Oh my God, these are the actual lyrics. And I, that's how I memorized all the lyrics to that song. What, what magazine was I, that? It was like teen beat or Tiger something beat like, or... yeah, wow. something like that. It was no. weird that, it, wow. yeah, I have no idea which magazine it is, but I do remember like actually seeing that and being like, Inside the, you know, there's Sean Cassidy and, you know, whatever else was going on. So hard and, to Duran Duran and then R.E.M. I, well, I could right see, in a, in a weird way, I could see that. They were good looking, you know. I mean, my, Michael Stipe was gorgeous with his hair. For I mean, sure. You know, I know there, there's like these fangirls and maybe fanboys that are still like wildly in love with him that I see on the internet, yeah. I think so. And I think even without hair. But I mean, right. back from, you know, Teen Beat and 16 was another one of those magazines. They seem not uh, heartthrobby enough. Yeah, maybe too real, and they, they oh, you know, they they down they, they downplayed it and tried to ugly themselves up and everything. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and they, that's that's why we liked them. You know, they, they always said that they were, about the, even yeah. about the music. They oh, this is completely yeah. different than what you'd expect. You know, like all right, we're not going to play guitars. We'll play, we'll do the uh, mandolin and we'll. Uh, we'll start the the bassist will play keyboards and the drummer will play bass and you know we're gonna mix it up and then you know they get a number one even though they're they try and uh ugly it up somehow yeah yeah it's a pretty amazing story it it is and craig tells it well you mentioned the other book to your you mentioned the billboard book so tell us about the 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 other Uh, book oh well the brilliant book the thing that i love is his uh number one albums for what was it's the Billboard Book of Number One Albums. Does it look something and like this? That, yeah, that's that's actually it. Wow. Yeah, uh, I know. I did yeah. not even realize I have it, and I'm wow. going to want you to sign this thing. Oh, wow. So wow, we'll do that sure. after the podcast. But yeah, I've, that'll be the hundred dollar copy. Yeah. yeah, but this. Um, so yeah, you have your number one albums dot com. Is that uh, yeah based yeah. on your Billboard Book? Yeah, that's actually it's basically the entries I scan them in and uh, then repost them on like an anniversary. 
and then hope people will click on the Google ads so I can make a penny. (laughs) (laughs) I just like actually hit the hundred dollar threshold, but my, they had to confirm my tax information. So I haven't been paid yet. Congratulations. (laughs) But I'm still, I'm still like a few hundred dollars in the red. I'm sure. (laughs) Because of that uh, web attack, I had to hire a company to uh, oh, really? make my site. Yeah, nice. be careful. Oh. Be okay. careful. I can tell you about that if you <laughs> okay. off mic. Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> um, so, well, as long as we're talking, number one, this was an insane endeavor. This was yeah. when did you you did this in what was it nineties? Yeah, like the mid nineties, uh, early early nineties, and I I was working at Billboard at the time and. It was. It seemed like at that period, I was writing a bunch of stories about the latest modern rock band to cross over to the mainstream. Because it you know, was the early night. I mean, yeah, what a great yeah, time for like, that! You know, the Cure, the Church, and you know all, all of the bands that I liked, and I liked doing that. But I thought, you know, hey, maybe I can do something. I can learn a little bit, go back in history. And there was a guy that worked in the office that did the chart beat column, uh, Fred Bronson, who did the Billboard Book of Number One Hits. <laughs> uh, which I, is on, the, that on, on well. the singles, yeah. Which is very, you know, very successful. Yeah. I don't think it's uh, Billboard books. I don't think exists anymore. But uh, Fred did several editions of that. So I thought, hey, you know, maybe I can do like the the Billboard book of modern rock hits, and there weren't that many. The chart wasn't that old. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, album rock hits, and that chart wasn't that old either. So mm. I think I ended up with albums. It was, you know, wasn't wasn't too hard to pitch and uh yeah it was it was a lot of work because you started in the line of information yeah started elvis right yeah i started at uh the beginning of the rock era so uh i started with elvis presley elvis presley as the first album and then i went from there and there's lots of weird bizarre albums in there uh that i had no idea that what i was getting into i think when i started and i do believe you you made a promise to listen to each and every one of those albums. Uh, I maybe I listened to them. I might've, I mean, I did try to actually get each one. So, because a lot of them you couldn't, uh, I don't know if it was, it might've been sort of pre-internet or very early internet, but with a lot of the albums, it was hard to find information on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I really needed those albums because a lot of those older albums do have liner notes on the back. So that provided me some information so I could fill out the 500 word entry. For our younger audience, this is how we used to go about getting information. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Encyclopedia yeah. Britannica. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that was the brilliant thing were the credits. That's how we knew yeah. the, the players, you know, not just the, the band members, yeah. but, uh, you know, the producers and the, uh, you know, engineers and the background players yeah. and any, you know, a lot of musicians. And I'm sure that's, you know, how, he, that's how, what led you to a lot of these interviews was to look at those, uh, those credits to find these people. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I had, you know, just friends at record companies or they would, you know, I would ask about someone. Somehow I ended up with this one guy uh, who was a record executive at Decca Records who I think I interviewed about a few uh, records, at least a few. And uh, I don't think I knew it at the time, but I learned later. uh, It's Billy Crystal's uncle. And it's this guy named Milt Gabler. He's probably, I don't know if he's still alive. He probably isn't, I'm guessing, uh, because he was old back then. (laughs) But at one point, I don't know what what, uh, album we were discussing, but it's one of my favorite things ever. I asked him a question and he said something, you know nothing about the music industry. It was so great. <laughs> and it was sort yeah. of like a running joke with the uh, publicist that hooked me up with him. I think Bob Bernstein, who used to work for Capital EMI, hooked me up with uh, good old Milty. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Uncle Milty. <laughs> Can we just sit, get, go over Craig, Craig's credentials go right ahead no you, you got you, it you have you were you were you were sort of reading his bio but you were oh. you say you worked for billboard but you were you were you were the west coast bureau chief yes and- uh, yeah eventually i started covering radio yeah, looking looking uh, at his yeah. linkedin profile yeah. but no okay so you started probably I, I, journalism you got interested in yeah yeah that, yeah that, that through, started yeah. in high school or is it started in college or? yeah actually i think it started in like sixth grade i i might have uh my mrs mina 
<laughs> Gledhill. Wow, this is going to uh. be long. I thought it was going to be short. But <laughs> no, she said something that I think at that time uh, I wanted to be a sports announcer. And I think like Howard Cosell, I, my brother and I like, you know, pretended we were Howard Cosell. And I was uh, obsessed with Jimmy J.J. Walker on uh, Good Times. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> yeah, I had the orange shirt with the uh, iron on that uh, kids wore the back then. Dynamite. Exactly. Did that was it. That did was the, that was the, I did the oh dynamite. Oh wow. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> but that's that. You know what I mean? That makes me happy when I can look back at that. That shows like I was down with like uh, black culture, even in sixth grade. So I wasn't like you know, too much of a white boy, although I am, you know, white suburban boy. Growing up in the San Fernando yeah, Valley. <laughs> exactly. But in high school, well, I grew up like, you know, reading Robert Hilburn in the LA Times and, you know, listening to Casey Kasem on the radio and, you know, KHJ, uh, then, you know, Cammy T, K-Rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, in high school, I was on the, the newspaper and the swim team, so I wasn't really part of the newspaper class because it, it was in the morning while I was uh, in the pool, but uh, I did my own thing. And I reviewed an Adam and the Ants record, uh, Kings of the Wild Frontier. Did you give it a good review? I did. I was an ant person. <laughs> <laughs> I was down, down with Adam, yeah. Uh, and uh, from there, I sent that out to a few people. You know, in uh, high school, yeah. Okay, I sent cool. it out to Robert Hilburn, who answered, and he's like, "But Halbert, how how does it compare to Springsteen and Costello and stuff like that?" I still have this. <laughs> Is that I, what he I wrote back? This, yeah, yeah. I have this letter somewhere, and then this this guy from Trouser Press, who was a real real uh, a hole, Scott Isler. Which is weird because... Bill remembers these names. Yeah, yeah. I used to have this one taped on uh, my wall. It was sort of inspiration. But the weird thing is that I would later become friends with uh, Dave Schultz, who also worked at Trouser Press, and then Ira Robbins would later become my boss. But they worked with this guy, Scott Isler. But anyway, Scott wrote that your... It's probably verbatim of what it says. It's scarred in my brain. Your ants review is filled with... Uh, try observations and colorless description as any Eng good english teacher will tell you good good writing stems from good thinking or something like that that's pretty much it so where is yeah. he now i don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah doa i don't know yeah. he's he's probably a lot i don't know i've never met him he could be a perfectly nice guy and i probably deserved it so whatever he, maybe he's working at foster's he, donut yeah <laughs> but, but always alive in your minds so. yeah but Someone else that did answer, and I can't remember the name of the person, but someone from uh, Action Now magazine answered the letter, and they uh, said I could write for them. Uh, and Action Now was a skateboarder magazine, and when skateboarder started, skateboarding started to fade out a little bit in the early 80s, they changed their name to Action Now and started to like include surfing and bmx and everything to make it a little broader so Smart. i i wrote record reviews for them and i actually got paid and that was when i was in high school so i was kind of hooked on that and then once i discovered i could get free records <laughs> so it wasn't <laughs> it, it, it was all over yes and then records. yeah and then when yeah. i started at cal state northridge i went right up to the journalism office and said hey you know i've already been published i want to write for you you know and yeah, did that. <laughs> and what'd they say? They said, yeah. What, what did this 18-year-old yeah. kid say to you? Yeah, it wasn't. It was the publisher. Actually, there was, uh, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, but I don't mind embarrassing myself. Uh, the I, I think in the in the jam review, I, I meant to use the word cohorts. Cohorts. Co yeah, but I spelled it cohorts. And the, the, the publisher of the sundial said, ooh, well, that's a nice pun there. But it wasn't really intended. To be. <laughs> did you, it, it, I wasn't intended to be a pun. I was just an idiot. But you so played it off. Go with it. Played yeah, it off. I, I, I just probably. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I probably said that. I don't know. It's a fine line between yeah. clever and stupid. Yeah, and, and yeah. You, you yeah. I've been walking it all my life. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, Holly. You have to go to the bathroom. We need. Yeah, we got to pay some bills, and we need to go to the bathroom and uh, take care of business. Every day. <laughs> I write the book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll be right back. 
podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, all done with donuts? Do I have to? You can talk now and I'll keep eating. All right, let's let's get back with our conversation with Greg Rosen. So you, were you music uh, critic for four years at Sundial. Cal State Northridge Sundial? Uh, I eventually became, uh, I did that for a while. I eventually became the entertainment editor and, you know, so I could basically do what I want. But I, that's when I first wrote about REM and I wrote about the psychedelic furs and the dream syndicate. You know, it was, yeah, I think my first interview was with Stan Ridgeway of Wall of Voodoo. But I don't, yeah, that really didn't get that much play. And I think I reviewed a Cramps concert. But eventually they got, uh, you know, I, you know, had the full features and headlines. How was that and first interview? And more free records. Yeah. How was that first interview? Was, I think was Dan it, good? It, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, he was all right. And I think I did, you know, it's weird. I interviewed one, at one point, pretty early on, I interviewed Fishbone. But I never wrote it up because it was like, close to finals and the end of the semester. So I, I'm sure I have it on a cassette somewhere. Down. Yeah. But I don't know if anyone, I might've missed the moment by like 20 years <laughs> unless they do the big, they went to my high school. They, yeah. That was, reunion. Yeah. yeah. Angelo. Yeah. Those guys were Valley guys. So, yeah. yeah. Boys. El Camino. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you work, you worked at the radio station too as well, right? This yes, was yeah, back in the I, day. I Cause I, I remember listening this, it was, what was it? Classical music during the, the mornings and what and news, but then they had the the rock shift was I believe it was from eleven p.m. to five a.m. the perfect uh, graveyard shift uh, type yeah. hours. Is that did you? Yeah, that? I was on the rock shift, and I think it was like Saturday night from like two to like six or something. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> when great. the party gets started. We yeah, listening. it was it was a lot of fun. And speaking of donuts, there was a guy that called in a maniac. Oh, this at, guy between two Mike, and six a.m. That's crazy. Yeah, he worked in a donut shop. Mike, Mike from Blinkies Donuts. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sort of, I, do, you know, I know Blinkies. We re- recently uh, reconnected on Facebook somehow. But the thing is, Mike. He would call in. He was a, an incredible Iggy Pop fan, and he would call in, and you know, to request something. But he would just like Iggy, <laughs> Iggy. And the funniest thing, you know, I had never met him before. But I went and saw Iggy at the whiskey, <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear Iggy, Iggy, and I'm like, you know, head towards that sound, and I'm like, are you Mike from Blinky's Donuts? And it was him. And, and <laughs> okay, that's such a trip. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, his name is actually Mike Butler, I believe. He's he's on Facebook. Shout out to Mike. Butler. Yeah, he's yeah. He reminded me of a 
Cramps concert that I forgot about that uh, I, apparently I attended that was at the Universal Amphitheater. How can you forget about the Cramps? And well, you, I had seen them a lot, but okay. I, I didn't remember Universal, that Universal, the they must have been opening up for Yeah, someone. no, no. They were, it was a Halloween show. They were headliners. Oh, really? Yeah. They were that big? Because Universal they, they, was they, like yeah, 8,000 yeah. people. Somewhere. Yeah, I think. I'm pretty sure they headlined. He he That's post awesome. He posted the, uh, the poster, you know, the, the, the playbill or whatever, you know, those things that they used to put on the... Uh, uh, telephone poles. Yeah. Around town. Bills. Yeah. Post no bills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that shift for, uh, for a while? And, uh, it was a couple years, I suppose. Did yeah. you like it? What? I did. I loved it. I mean, I played, obviously all, you yeah, have to I love played, it if you're doing the yeah. two to the six shift. Yeah. T- I played, 6 you know, I played like REM and big star and Velvet underground and Udo gurus and got, so I, I probably got some one, at least one show on cassette. And I also, this is kind of funny because, uh, yeah, Holly worked for Westwood when I also like attempted to make my own radio show out of a Beastie Boys interview I did for, for BAM magazine. Uh, and I tried to like cut it into a show. I don't know how, I don't know how that came off, but did you pitch it? No, I ran it on KCSN. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I like, you know, it was just like a, a it was an in person, but you know, interview with a, yeah. a on a, a cassette recorder. How was that interview? <laughs> Actually, uh, it was it was yeah, rough. Those guys were real. Yeah. I mean, I loved them, but they were real a holes pretty much every time I've interviewed them. I think they'll always but admit that that interview was actually before uh, License to Ill came out, and I don't think I had even really heard them. This guy Glenn E. Friedman, who's a pretty famous like punk rock uh, skateboard and hip hop photographer, I think he's got a few books out there, but there he's a really great photographer. And somehow through, you know, Action Now, Skateboarder, he got my name and somehow somebody called me and said, you know, hey, do you want to interview the Beastie Boys? They're they're opening they're in town, they're opening for Madonna. But that was before License to Ill came. That was eighty eighty five. I don't know yeah. the exact year, oh, but, but could be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like oh, yeah. a like a Virgin tour. Yeah, yeah. At the eighty four, yeah, eighty yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah eighty four, eighty five. Yeah, right. they played the. It was at the Universal Amphitheater. I, did, I, didn't, right. I, I didn't go to the show, but they gave me when I did the interview. They gave me the uh, the rock hard uh, single, the twelve inch, mm-hmm. which is the one that samples ACDC. I yeah, be- they. I believe, yeah, I, I'm almost positive Rock Shift was where I first heard the Beastie Boys. I don't know if it was She's On It or Rock Hard or something. Yeah. I remember hearing it and then yeah, and then probably and calling you and saying, hey, can you play some Beastie, Beastie Boys? Boys? Beastie yeah, Boys! Well, I, no I, yeah, I, I went back and got Cookie Puss, of course. I think yeah, like, I have like parts of that interview are, are in that book for License to Ill because yeah. one of them, I can't remember who said said it, but they... You know, I asked them about, you know, if they wanted to play instruments or, you know, you know, that was because you didn't know. Yeah. Well, 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 that was a big thing that, you know, people. Yeah. I don't know if I knew about the hardcore thing. I might have. But, you know, the difference between like hip hop and punk rock and there's there are a lot of similarities. But one of it might have been Mike D or Ad Rock. One of them said, you know, hey, when we can afford instruments and amps like ACDC, then we'll we'll play instruments. And they sort of and did. They did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the the trailer is out I, for the I, uh, their Apple uh, I have a documentary coming out in April. Yeah. That's gonna be amazing. I I, I haven't I, seen it, but I, I listened to the audiobook and yeah, I loved it. And audiobook yeah. is great. But I'm sure it's yeah. not as good as your special. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? You I should have, find that. I, I have it on I have it somewhere, but the 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 funny thing about the ultimate revenge of the Beastie Boys is uh when I was at Billboard, uh they had a Grand Royal had a golf tournament at the little uh, Los Feliz par, par three mm-hmm. uh, one one day to just celebrate. And my friends and I, Dave Schultz and John Gwynn, who worked at Billboard, uh, we were a, a a threesome that entered the uh, the the tournament, and we ended up uh, tying Mike D, a team of Mike D and Gary Gersh, who was then the president of Capitol Records. I don't know who the other guy was or other two. And in a putt-off, we won. So we have the uh, first-place Grand Royal Golf Tournament trophy. John Gwynn has it now. I had it for for probably like 20 years, but we have to, like, you know, rotate custody to the... Uh, the, the <laughs> and Mike D was a gracious loser, right? Yes, he accused us in a Rolling Stone interview of uh, cheating. <laughs> so... 
And at Sword one point, loser. yeah, at one point when I was at Billboard, uh, uh, we called him. John Gwynn wanted to call him up, and we like put him on speakerphone and or tried to get him. And we were like, "Come on, man, we'll we'll do the rematch." You know, you called us cheaters. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Never happened, but oh well. It's a good story. Elated congratulations. Oh, thank you. I, I actually played like crap that day. They, those guys held me up. So. <laughs> did, you tell, did you tell Mike team. D, I played like crap no, and I still no. beat you. Yeah. Team, teamwork. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very nice. All right. So you graduate college, uh, uh, I guess. Did you graduate? I did. Congratulations. I did, I did eventually, yeah. Okay. And so what, where, do we, uh, where do we go from there? Well, in What college, are you going to do with your life? In college, yeah, what are you going to do with your life, kid? Uh, in, in college, I did a few intern. Well, I was got a job at the Daily News. That's the San Fernando Valley yeah, paper. Yeah, yeah which once known as like the Green Sheet, the Valley News and yeah, Green Sheet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But w- when I worked there, it was the LA Daily News, and uh, it was owned by Jack Kent Cook of uh, the Fabulous Forum and Lakers and Kings fame. For, and Washington Redskins fame. He, yes. he owned that for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was an editorial assistant. And I, I, you know, of course, I was, oh, you know, let me do a record review or whatever. So I did a few there and did a little writing there. And then I uh, eventually I got an internship at the L.A. Times and I did some stuff for them. And then uh, when I graduated, I got uh, hired at the, the Daily News. First, I guess I was an intern, and then this guy named Martin Boo, who was the radio columnist, one day he really got uh, frustrated when his copy was, his precious copy was edited. And one day I saw him like watch, walk into the, uh, the managing editor, features managing editor's office, and he quit. So I replaced uh, Martin Boo as the radio columnist. And then eventually the rock critic left. And, you know, that's what, you know, radio was just, okay, yeah, I'll do that. If Stepping I stone. Right. To- <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, now I sort of work radio adjacent as a full-time job. But, uh, you know, it's it's something that's there, but it's not, you know, it, it's fine. It's it's all right. But People you know, do lump like, music and radio together, though. Yeah, yeah, it's all about the music. That's yeah. what, it, what it is, basically. But while uh, they were between uh, rock critics, I got to uh, go to San Diego to... Uh, uh, review the U2 Joshua Tree tour. I wanted to actually do, you know, do an interview, but, you know, they would only, Bono only spoke to Hilburn. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I had my, uh, like, almost famous moment before, years before Almost Famous at the San Diego Sports Arena where that movie was, a lot of that movie was filmed. Uh, you know, we got there, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, I drove my Carmen Ghia out there to San Diego <laughs> and we, you know, we got, we left plenty early, so we'd be there in time. So we were just kind of hanging out and I see, you know, there's a big crowd, like at the ramp, the load in ramp and Adam Clayton comes out there and he's signing autographs. So, you know, ambitious young Craig goes over and <laughs> tries to ask Adam some questions and he's like, no interviews, mate. You know, it's like, F you, Adam. <laughs> but I, I did, I did like some, end up doing some lame story. I interviewed the, uh, the road manager backstage. <laughs> I'm sure it was just as good. I'm sure, I'm sure it was awful, but you know, that was my access. So but who, I did review the show. So that know. was a number one album. Joshua Tree. So who'd you talk to about I, that album? I did talk to, I ended up talking to Adam later on on the uh, telephone. He was a wonderful chap. Did you, did you remind him that he blew you no, off when you tried to ask I, him a question? I don't remember. I don't think so. But <laughs> maybe probably, maybe probably I did. I don't know. Probably yeah, knows. near the end of the interview. Yeah. That would have been a good time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, you're an asshole. Bye. <laughs> you were an asshole. Maybe not now. You mm-hmm. still are. I hold grudges. No. <laughs> I've, I've noticed that about that. Craig. Yeah. yeah. He likes, no, once an asshole, were, always an asshole. <laughs> Just, just and I like kidding. that you're calling them out yeah, by yeah. name. Yeah. So the, Okay. So uh, oh, I just thought of something. I, 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 go, I, go ahead. Blurt it out. Give you guys the exclusive. I've never talked to this, uh, talked about this on, on a podcast before. Do we have exclusive or on music radio? Yeah. To intro this, yeah, this is Breaking this is, news. This is big. <laughs> at one point at, when I worked at Billboard, I had to do a story about a certain record label uh, that... Uh, the guy that ran the label was about to leave the label and they had enjoyed incredible success with Nirvana, Aerosmith 
and <laughs> okay, the Eagles. So, oh, I, wonder, <laughs> I think you know who I don't it know. is. Wait, wait, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say his name, though. Okay. Way to keep it under but, wraps. <laughs> yeah. But he, it was the worst. Uh, Can you give may, me the may, initials may, of may, the label? Maybe, maybe the worst <laughs> or best interview experience I ever had. And it happened. It, there, was, there was a sequel because it, it didn't go well the first time. I asked, you know, I mean, they put out the, the way uh, maybe record executives think the trade press works is I, I, actually there's a famous quote from someone and I don't know who said it, maybe Hunter Thompson or something that the trade press are lapdogs to the industry, uh, which might be true. But, you know, some of us, you know, maybe had higher aspirations or whatever. This label was going through a transition. They had incredible success with those three artists that I mentioned, the Eagles, Mm -hmm. with those three acts that I just mentioned. But all those artists, Kurt Cobain was dead, unfortunately. Uh, Aerosmith was headed back to Columbia. And the Eagles were, it was kind of a one-off. So, you know, okay, Mr. Famous Record Executive Legend, (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's yeah. Congratulations on everything, but what about what what about the future? You know, all these all your biggest <laughs> artists are are gone. You know, you're leaving too, mm. which leaves a lot of questions. And he did not not take well to that. The phone kind of melted. He just goes off on this rant. He's like, "You were going to ask me about Kurt Cobain? How dare you? And you want to know about the Eagles? I'll tell you about the Eagles. They're a bunch of." ungrateful fucking drug addicts. Uh, I'm not saying that, that, that guy said it. And, uh, <laughs> hopefully this podcast won't be removed forever. Yeah. <laughs> we'll never work in this town again. I do still have the tape on, on cassette. And That's awesome. yeah, you said there was a follow-up though. A follow-up yeah. Up yeah. Time. Well, you know, after the interview, I, you know, I really don't feel, you know, I talked to the publicist again. I really don't feel, good about how things went and she said well either does he do let's reschedule uh let's try it again tomorrow so we get back on the phone and i say hey you know i gotta say i don't really think anything i asked you yesterday was out of line and he just started again yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was it was like yeah it was weird i mean i guess you know some people might do business that way and you know some of those guys you know Irving Azoff would always call me like sweetheart on the phone or whatever. And that, that was okay. That's all right. And this other guy, Phil Cordero, mm. uh, he's a little guy. Uh, Virgin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Phil Q. He was, he was kind of weird. He was like, uh, yeah, top down chicken out, choked the chicken. It's like, what the hell? What the hell are you talking about? What does Phil? that mean? Uh, it's, you, you don't want to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Again, you uh, yeah. know, I'm, <laughs> I'm better off not knowing. Yeah. 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 Think about the English. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Save it for later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it must have been tough, especially with Billboard, because like you kind of mentioned with Hunter, Billboard's kind of there to talk about their industry and keep everyone happy because these labels are paying all the, you know, paying the bills for the most part for, you know, for ads and things and promotion. Um, so it was kind of like a symbiotic relationship or what, I mean, but if, I mean, if you wanted to say something critical, where did you have that freedom or? Yeah, they, they, we did. And yeah, no, there was a place for it. You know, it, it depended on, on, uh, uh, the time and who was in charge. Things really changed when, uh, Timothy White became editor in chief and he was, he was famous from the Westwood one (laughs) show, (laughs) Timothy White's rock stars. Yeah, I yeah, it's funny. I wrote about him, and I think I wrote about his show before he became editor. And I think he he took a liking to me, but it, it didn't last long. <laughs> no, it didn't last too long, but it lasted for a while. But anyway, yeah, he was the one that promoted me to uh, bureau chief after uh, Dave DiMartino left to go to Entertainment Weekly. And shout out to Dave. He's uh, yeah, we're still uh, good friends. And he hired was involved in hiring me at Billboard, and then he hired me at Launch, which became Yahoo Music. And he uh, got me the REM book deal. So yeah, he's very influential in my life. So so thank thank you, thank you, Dave. And thank you too, Dave. Oh, but thank you. another Dave. Yes, thank yeah. you, Dave. Uh, thank you. Uh, but you were uh, about oops. Timothy White. I want to say. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there was. There was a real, uh, that might have been my downfall. Uh, he did not like uh, gangster rap. He really had a, a strong opinion about that. And, I mean, I understood his uh, misgivings and everything, but he really ruled with like an iron fist, and he thought we shouldn't cover that stuff at all. 
which I thought was ridiculous at a time when like Death Row was having number one albums mm -hmm. yeah. and they were, you know, the biggest label in the music business at the time. How can we just ignore them? Mm -hmm. So that's, we, we kind of butted heads over that. And I remember one time, uh, the news editor, uh, this guy named Ken Terry and I went to a, a meeting at Jimmy Iovine's office and Jimmy was in there like straddling the arm of the couch. I don't know why I remember, you know, he remembers certain like weird things, but he's like, yeah, your editor has a hard on for me, you know? And it's like, it just put me in an uncomfortable position because I really don't, didn't know what to say. You mm -hmm. know, yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you say to that? But I didn't agree with, with that approach. I mean, I thought if you don't like the, the records, you know, right write it in, you know, your music to my ears column or a commentary or something. But, you know, for God's sake, we have to like cover this label or, you know, these huge albums, you know, it's credibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a weird thing. So unless he thought it was going to be a passing, a quickly passing phase of music. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Remember, they're never rock. Re the re music re industry people re are yeah, never rock. Re remember, yeah. remember when hip hop was popular? Yeah. Oh, way back, yeah. way yeah. back when. Yeah. <laughs> the old saying is, uh, you should never meet your idols, but I'm sure you had the opportunity to meet a few of them. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And yeah, some, most of them are nice. I mean, most of them are all right. I, a funny story when I was an intern at the times, oh, I did a story on when the Velvet Underground VU record came out. That was in the mid '80s, sometime. I think I discovered pretty much discovered the Velvet Underground through REM. Of course, all roads lead to REM. Say uh, here, same, here too with yeah. Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same thing. Yeah, I mean, I had probably heard Walk on the Wild Side. You know, I'm sure I had before, but you know, really didn't know like all the Velvet Underground stuff till till they covered uh, Pale Blue Eyes and Femme Fatale mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, they were putting that VU record out, and I pitched it as a, a story for the LA Times, and uh, I was looking for people to talk to. Uh, I talked to uh, Sterling Morrison, who was the guitar player, mm -hmm. and I, at that time, I think he was a, uh, a professor in, in of English, I think in Austin or Texas somewhere, but yeah, he was a, a bright guy. He's, he's since passed away, but... He was a nice guy. I talked to him on the phone, and I put in the request for Lou Reed. Uh, he was on tour at the time, and I think in Australia or something. So I really didn't think it was going to happen, and I heard he was kind of an a-hole and a difficult interview. So, you know, I, I, I had the story written. I think I might have, you know, had Sterling, and I probably quoted Peter Bach talking about their <laughs> influence. Of course, all, all roads lead to R.E.M., once again, uh, anyway, I, I turned the story in one night. I'm, I'm still living at my parents' house, but I had my own telephone because that's the way I rolled. <laughs> With my, cord? Yeah, yeah, landline. It was, it was brown. It was one of those modern ones. So was it a football phone or was it a princess? So, no, was no, it? it was maybe it was a princess, but it was brown. Was it? it no, it was sleek. It was like that kind of modern yeah, 70s. That a, was that the princess phone? Was that phone? called the princess? When I think of a princess phone, I think of one of those antique looking ones. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that, that are pink, you know, with yeah, that yeah. Like, handle. And, I had a big button phone. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh. But anyway, one, one night, late at night, the phone rings. Collect call from Australia for, from Lou Reed. Collect. Nice. Yeah. You're being yeah. punked. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was real, but... I was like shocked. I wasn't prepared. Oh. And I, I had turned the story in already. So I said, yeah, I did not accept the collect call. I said, <laughs> oh yeah, God. I said, tell him, sorry. Yeah, the story's already in. Uh, but thank you. Wow. And that was my uh, Lou Reed interview. Get out. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Did you because ever interview him after? No. <laughs> Plus you were li I right. saw him before. I yeah. understand you're living at I, home and yeah, that, so you couldn't I, I, afford. I had to pay that bill. I yeah, that would have been bill. That would have been 100 that bucks been, or so. That would have yeah, and yeah. I I really wasn't prepared. <laughs> I really, you know, I kind of froze. I think I kind of panicked. You did panic. Like it, yeah, that's, later, that's clearly yeah, I will late, Re rejecting yeah. a call from Lou Reed. Yeah. Uh, a similar, well not quite, but sort of similar uh for the Billboard Book of Number 1 albums, uh Johnny Cash, you know, I get him on the phone at that point when I did interviews in my office at Billboard, I just used the speakerphone and I recorded it. And 
I didn't know this at the time, but, uh, you know, okay. Hi, 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 Mr. Cash. Hi, Johnny. Am I on speakerphone? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I don't want to be on speakerphone. (laughs) So the man in black, you know, when the man in black speaks, (laughs) I had to take him off speakerphone. Uh, luckily I got in the habit of, uh, typing when I did interviews. So I did the interview. I, I probably have tape of Johnny telling me to take him off speakerphone but the the interview is only me asking questions and you can't hear his answers <laughs> okay that's a bummer wow yeah. the funny things that are like yeah but i, I mean yeah. you could have reassured him that nobody else was in the room yeah yeah i could have but i didn't think of that <laughs> thanks thanks can i go 20 back and, 30, can 30 I, years too late <laughs> yeah the door yeah it's okay johnny the door is closed no one will hear yeah. we're alone <laughs> tell me anything you want yeah Tell me about save it for later. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Valley boy, or he he lived in the Valley for a little bit on Havenhurst. Oh wow! I read Hilburn's yeah. book, and he actually oh. he actually um, published the the actual address. So I went to go visit it. Johnny oh, wow. Cash, yeah, he lived on Haven, like Where? by Michael Jackson's area. Oh, like okay. oh, so oh, south. South. yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. South yeah. Of the okay, <laughs> you know who else? And I heard you guys mention him, and I thought of this today. I, I was listening to one of your previous episodes. Dave Stewart lived around there too oh okay i interviewed him once at his house he was a really nice guy i got there and he was like getting out of the bathtub he was bathing one of his children and he was like in a i think he was like in a bathrobe <laughs> his hair was all messed up and wet it wasn't it wasn't like a sure a charlie rose or harvey weinstein thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, it was it was all innocent he no was, just comparing the situations was, yeah he was a perfectly nice guy yeah he was, he was very, very nice so our discussion with craig rosen is far from done But we're going to have to end this episode eventually. So let's just cut it off here and we will return at another time. Until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.